Welcome, everyone, to Not Wonderful. I am your new keeper, Miranda, and we are going to do a little uh, setup episode. Think of this as kind of an episode zero for uh, our new season, uh, Latin Club. Um, so we're just going to talk a little bit about the game, Call of Cthulhu, and about uh, a little bit about the world that um, we're creating here in this season and then uh, hear a little bit about the characters that our players have chosen. So let's jump right in. Call of Cthulhu is a role-playing game by uh, Chaosium that was created uh, to create like an immersive experience of the fiction and fictional universe of H.P. Lovecraft. So it has kind of taken the Lovecraftian universe and categorized all the monsters and stuff and all the lore and then created an experience that um, players can then be involved involved in. It is ultimately like a mystery solving investigator game, um, which is the reason I chose it as our system because, spoiler alert, I don't know shit about Cthulhu Mythos and I never will and that's very sexy of me. Um, I'm just using it because it is, uh, like I said, it's ultimately a paranormal investigation game, um, and it is the way it uses skills and the way it uses kind of player interaction and party formation, uh, I thought was really cool, um, gave me a lot more to kind of play with than D&D. It also worked really well for what I'm doing with like the college setting um because traditional call of cthulhu uh i mean it's meant to be played set in the real world and it is uh your your class like in like in D, right is just your job so if you were for example a librarian right you would have a set of skills a recommended set of skills uh if you were like a coach you'd have a recommended set of skills um uh, for this one, you have skills that relate to your major. Yeah, um, let me go over some base uh, rules for Call of Cthulhu. So this game uses the what's called the base RP system, so the basic roleplay system. And uh, what you need to know, the die you'll use most often, whereas you use, you know, a 20-sided die for D&D, you'll be using a D100, which is two 10-sided dice that you then use one for the 10s place and one for the ones place. Caleb and I actually picked up 100-sided dies that are just like a ball. I've seen them. They're like a golf ball, pretty much. Um, good luck. I don't know where mine is right now, so... It's, yeah. on, the, it's at, on the holes doing golf. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> anyway... Um, sorry, I know I'm being a little dry right now. Um, yeah, the idea behind this system is that um, your skill is based on a percentage, right? Where you are a certain percentage likely to accomplish a certain task. And if you roll under that number, right? If you're 70% more likely, if you roll a 70 uh, or below, you succeed in the task. Um Here's how roles get a little different from D&D. Are y'all ready? So 
Yes. Uh, if you succeed, then that's great, and you succeed in doing the task. If you fail, then there's kind of a, um, you know, there will be a consequence uh, that will be determined by the D- by the by the keeper. Um, so a good way to look at it is if you succeed in the role, then you decide what happens. You decide the outcome of it based on our predetermined what we've agreed before you made the roll, right? Like I'm going to roll spot hidden to see if, you know, there are any, um, there is a file with my name on it in this filing cabinet, for example. Um, and then I would say, okay, do it. And then you roll above that percentage. I'd be like, no, you didn't find the file and you accidentally lock the cabinet and can't get it back open. Um, so failure doesn't necessarily mean you fail to do what you were trying to do. It does mean that, but it also means that the keeper determines what happens following the roll. Um, yeah. Uh, so if we important. win, we get to decide what happened is kind of the gist of it. Yeah. If we so, roll, well, roll well, we pick what goes on. Yeah. If you roll well... So how it works is you kind of say what you're trying to do, right? And if you roll well, then you do that thing. So basically that's you determining the outcome before you roll. Sweet. Yeah. And if you fail, then um, you don't know what's going to happen, right? You kind of know what's going to happen if you succeed because you just said that's what you're trying to do. If you fail, you don't know what's going to happen. It could be... um, not bad but just unrelated to what you were trying to do it could be really bad um so uh there are certain things that you all will need to know um that will kind of go over and explain and you can ask questions as you go just as cordell just did um uh so let me just go over some of the basic elements of gameplay Right, so. Oh no, go away. Come back. There we go. Okay, so, like I said, rolling the dice. Um, if you roll, here's another thing. If you roll equal to less than half of your skill value, that's a hard success, which means that you accomplish what you're trying to do and the outcome is really good. Um, if you roll equal to or less than a fifth of your skill value, right? That is an extreme success. So in addition to succeeding in your role, something really, really cool happens. Um, So there's kind of levels of success there. And then there are equal levels of failure, right? There are, um, there's a hard fail, there's an extreme fail, there's even a fumble. So if you get around the 100 range in your role, um, then you uh, if you get around the 100 range in your roll, that's a fumble and something really bad happens, right? Um, so uh, just don't do that. Just don't roll a 100. I don't know. Um, so that is one challenge, right? There's a success. There's levels of success. And then at the two opposite ends of the percentage, right, there is a critical success and a fumble. Um which are both very unlikely to be rolled because there's a hundred different numbers, but they could happen. Okay. Okay. So, um, and like, 
So, and I think also, like, from what you were explaining, it's kind of similar, not, but, like, only, like, a little bit, kind of similar to Monster of the Week when it comes to, like, failures or successes yeah. and such. There's a lot it of... It seems like it's very similar. Yeah, no, Monster I have a the theory week. that uh, Monster of the Week, uh, powered by the apocalypse, is just a scaled-down version of base RP. Um, yeah. Because the similarities, there are a lot of them. Okay, cool. I guess that is the question then. What what made you choose this over that? Um, this I wanted a more expansive uh, version, um, and I wanted the, I guess the flexibility of, um, you know, y'all not being, uh, your character not be determined by like media archetypes, like in, uh, like in Monster of the Week, but by gotcha. like your. Yeah skill set in your college major um so to kind of stay within theme and then um it's also not going to be structured like there's a um you know a bunch of short missions that add up to one thing right um monster of the week works really well for like um you know short arcs like that's the format it's based on right is like buffy things like that where there really is a monster of the week you know in yeah um, where this is a this is like a more (laughs) to put it in that terms it's a monster of the year yeah like it's it's more we're just yeah it's kind of like harry potter chronology right where yeah throughout the school year things will be building and building until it comes to a head eventually um little things be happening but then at the end is when the big voldemort and it's all leading to voldemort yeah basically um yeah like probably not that simplistic right i don't want to like yeah. It's also similar to like um season 1 of Hannibal versus season 2 of Hannibal, right? Um yes. where, you know, in season 1 they're like there is a serial killer every episode, whereas in season 2 there's like a couple big bads that keep showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Um in season 3 is um you know, there's kind of multiple major arcs in season 3 that each kind of have their own tone. That's another way of thinking about it is that um, this, and a a lot of it depends on how you play the game, right? But I envision this campaign taking kind of three, um, three movements, right? It'll be kind of fall semester, spring semester, and then whatever happens over the summer um, to keep that as vague as possible. Um, But that might be not be how you play the game and solve the mystery. So, who knows yeah. about that? And like, I, I also going back to like Monster of the Week versus uh, Call of Cthulhu. I can understand how you would want to choose this because I feel like honestly, this is kind of more focused when it comes down to it. Like, mm-hmm. like the like the skills and everything else, like and uh, just like when it comes to roles and like all the different numbers that are on here is like a lot more focused. Well, I feel mm-hmm. like something that we have realized in Monster of the Week is like because it's so free and open, you can kind of get lost in all of that in like how much, I guess like the freedom of it can be kind of, uh, for a podcast. Um, it needs to be a little bit straightforward. If yes. we're just like playing at a table, you can be like, okay, well I'm going to walk over here and talk to Billy O, mm-hmm. but like for a podcast, it's kind of needs to be more concise yeah, yeah. more focused yeah and not to say more that focused. like monster of the week won't work really well for a podcast because i think you know oh it, no it does yeah i think i think if, if we were to use it in the future it could be it could be pretty well utilized 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just wouldn't work for this campaign. I don't know. Yeah, it's not, I, I, I it's understand not the right that. format yeah. for it, I think. Yeah. Um, and I also like the approach of um, if you have a scenario, right, there are a lot of different skills you can use to solve that one problem versus um, in Monster of the Week, you have to, you have, you know, basically what, six different roles you can do to solve every kind of problem you might come up with. Yes. So, and yeah, I didn't know if that would quite uh, mesh with like the tone I'm trying to establish. So like, for example, if you are trying to, um, you know, persuade someone to help you, right? There's several different skills you can um, pick between to get that person on your side, right? There is, um, there's charm, there's, uh, you know, you could even say, oh, I'm using psychology, right? To um, go in a sciencey perspective, like, oh, persuade them using um, like psychology tricks or whatever. You could even do public relations, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm really good at um, telling people what they want to hear. So you can use several different skills to accomplish one goal, um, depending yeah. on your skill set and your character's like personality, right? Um, so I thought that was really cool. And um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of similarities. Like I said, they're both spooky investigator games, right? And they're both, you know, based on this scaled role system. But yeah, I like that a lot of, a lot more stuff here is like codified, I guess, where, you know, a lot of things about your character and monster of the week are kind of uh, more free form, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm a control freak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's that's okay, okay though. That's, that is not a bad thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's actually a pretty good idea is, um, why don't we walk through the, um, your character sheet and I can tell you kind of what each thing, uh, what each thing in it means. And we can approach it that way. Um, there's just a few more things to cover, which is combat and magic, uh, hit points and such. So, uh, let's talk combat because, uh, there's a little different way that uh monster not monster of the week we were just talking about that so it's on my mind a little different way that call of cthulhu does combat than uh dnd or even monster of the week so how combat works is that um the person with the highest decks goes first in combat every time so there's kind of a predetermined order of operations in combat um the only thing that changes is who you're fighting and where they fall in that order. That's what it is. Yeah, order in, turn order in combat is determined by who has the highest decks, and then each player's action during the turn is whatever they can reasonably accomplish in a few seconds. Um, so there's no hard and fast rules for movement and actions during combat. It's mm-hmm. more like, you know, what can you do in just a few quick movements, right? Can you um, knock a weapon out of someone's hand and punch them? Or can you pick up someone's gun and run away? Um, things like that, where you are. It sounds like combat is a lot more negotiative. Than yeah, it is it's a lot D&D. more negotiative. Um, it's a lot more, uh, honestly, kind of less structured than a lot of things about this game. 
Hmm. Um, and a lot of it is that this game doesn't really rely on combat for a lot of um, moving the story forward, right? You progress the storyline by solving the mystery, not by fighting bad guys. Um, but combat might happen if you put yourself in a situation. This game seems very structured in the sense that it has a lot of numbers, mm-hmm. but also it seems very loose and freeform in the sense that anything you can reasonably make to happen can make can happen. Yeah, like we're not think... locked into a certain set like, well, you can't do that unless mm-hmm. we just straight up can't do that. So there's a lot of numbers, but those are ways to codify whatever action we want to make. Yeah, and I think the uh, the numbers allow for that kind of gameplay, right? It's a lot on the front end, right? A lot of development yeah. that goes into what ultimately becomes a, um, you know, a broader... Um, open world yeah so you know think of every um every different number makes it where you can do a different thing right so it's um it's a thicker game right it's more dense i need to stop saying right that's my new my new verbal tick sorry everybody um i'm pretty dense too anyway so that's that's a really cool thing is that yeah like we said there's a ton of skills but that means you can reasonably do a ton of different things right there's nobody there's not a, hey, you have a six-second round in which you can do two actions and move 30 feet. There's, oh, you know, what do you have time to do before your opponent does something else? And within that, yeah, can I uh, knock knock a chandelier on my enemies and ride the rope up in one turn? And I'll be like, hmm. no, you have to cut it first and then ride. I don't know. Unless you're perfectly positioned next to the chandelier and the rope's hanging by a thread. Obviously, yes. Okay, good. Uh, I I needed to make sure so I can set that up. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing that is different is what you roll when you're fighting. Um, Rather than D&D where, you know, the roll is kind of determined by the weapon or Monster of the Week where there's just the one kick some ass roll. This is uh, all attacks are made using skill checks. So there's self-defense, which is the catch-all. But if you have enough skill in either in martial arts or fencing, right? Those are the two other options. um, You can roll one of those, right? Or, you know, you could make a case for, hey, I'm going to hit someone with a baseball bat. Can I roll athletics, you know, because it is part of my athletic program? then, you know, maybe. But, um, you know, unarmed combat is either going to be, you know, self-defense or martial arts if you have that on your skill sheet. And then blades is going to be um, going to be fencing. Uh, guns would also just go under self-defense. Um, and so you make a skill check to make your attack. Um, and then when you attack, the your opponent gets an automatic reaction, which you also get. Um, So your reaction can either be to dodge or to fight back. Um, So if you fight back, you're rolling self-defense, and then what you roll determines if you, you know, successfully respond to the attack by taking less damage or by both taking and dealing damage or if you fail and you just take the damage. Um, So... So in D&D vernacular, those are like contested skill checks. 
Yeah, it's almost, it is like a contested skill check, except you can choose either to make a, you choose which role to make in response to their attack role. Yeah, you choose how you contest. Yes. Yeah, so you can say, oh, I'm going to dodge, which, you know, can reduce the damage based on how well you dodge, or you can fight back, which will inflict damage on your opponent based on how well you fight back. Human opponents... It's kind of um, like human NPCs. It's kind of a wild card just based on how they operate and what they would do. Monsters almost always fight back, but I don't... You probably won't have to deal with a lot of, if any, monsters. Um, That's another thing. Another reason that I went with this instead of Monster of the Week, right, is that, you know, it allows for a lot of your opponents to be people, even though it's based on, you know, eldritch horrors and stuff. Um... It, a lot of it is written for having human opponents and um, solving mysteries that involve people. Okay. Yeah, I I dig it. I dig this combat system, like, a lot. It makes a lot more sense, honestly, than D&D on some points. Honestly, I think so, too. Um, Yeah. So, here's the thing, though. You gotta talk about dying. Um, Oh. So, if you look at your character sheet... You go to a farm. No. Upstate. Um, <laughs> if you look That's at your character funny. sheet, you immediately go to a farm. <laughs> you go to a... <laughs> I'm there now. To a farm where all the good dogs go. Guys, there um, are so many cows out here. <laughs> yeah. So if you look at your character sheet, you see you have a certain number of hit points, and then you have two checkboxes beneath those that say major wound and dying. Um, so how this works is... Um, Similar to the unstable mechanic in um, in Monster of the Week, if you receive a blow, right? If someone hits you for um, half or more of your total hit points and one, um, like in one hit, then you have a major wound, um, which means that's Oof. something that requires um, real world healing. Right. So spending time in the hospital, walking with a boot, um, you know, needing stitches, whatever. Um, oh, so there's there's that kind of reality in this where in like D&D, you can get down to one hit point, but you rest up for eight hours and you're good in this game. If like you break a leg, you're in a cast for six weeks. I did a short short campaign in call of cthulhu once and one thing that i remember is like i like my character received a major wound went to the hospital for two weeks and Mm -hmm. was still only recovering like one hit point a day if that yeah um so that's another thing which is um yeah you require real world healing to heal a major wound um and if you get a major wound and you fall to zero hit points, then you are dying. And dying is t- is rough because if you're dying, you have to make a successful constitution roll every round until combat ends or you die. So there's no like, you know, dying level one, dying level two, where there's no, you know, three failed death saves. It's you succeed every round or you die. Uh, speaking um. as a player who doesn't necessarily want to die, mm-hmm. what what happens 
just for 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 instance, if one of us does die, do we get a new character or uh No, you're out of the gone? game for the rest ah. of the yeah, you you get a you you retire. No, I'm just kidding. You can yeah, you can make a new character. <laughs> I, I got nervous. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well, <laughs> if you die in the game, you die in you real die life, in real Cordell." Life. Yeah, if I Cordell, I trip if you and die fall down in the game, I'm coming and I'm to, out yeah. of that wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> not only out. are you, you don't get to participate yeah, in all gone. future campaigns. This is how we're this is Call how we're people out. Call of Cthulhu is what I just said, but Call of Cthulhu is just, no, see, it's just rough, man. No, but it's it is Call world. of Cthulhu, because if you die, you're through with this podcast. You're exactly. Through. If you die, we call your mom and tell her, don't get you a gift for your birthday next year. <laughs> uh, hey, don't bring you, Lorna you brought this. Cordell into this world. Can you take him out? Yeah, you gotta kill him. <laughs> My mom if you always die said. In Call of Cthulhu, your mother has to murder you. My mom always said, if she tugged me into bed each night, one day I'll kill you. And the time has come. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's a little different. Um, determining damage uh, is based on the weapon. That is the one case in which your weapon matters. It's also determined by your damage bonus, which has to do with your build. Um, so okay. let's take a look at that, too. Because your character is come in all different shapes and sizes, uh, but those I don't sizes have a matter. Build. You should. Um, what is it? So your build is going to be your uh, strength plus constitution. No, strength plus size. Just add it all together. Okay. Yeah, you add your strength. You add your strength and your size together, um, and then the um, That's the result of those two numbers is going to be your build. Um, so basically if your build is like 85 to 125, that's average build. And then above 125 begin, um, begins to be like, you know, strong build. Um, and then, so that changes your damage bonus. So if you take a look at, at the quick start guide that I made, you can see I made a little chart where, um, if you're little and skinny, you get a negative one to damage. If you're big and powerful, you get a, um, a you add a D4 or a D6. If you're super strong, mighty boy. Um, if you're average, do you just have no bonus? Yeah, if you're average, you have no bonus, no penalty. Cool. Um, yeah, it is pretty cool. And that's about it for combat. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I want to quickly cover... Um, one thing that's different, um, which is sanity is gone in this game versus, you know, sanity is a big part of Call of Cthulhu because there's like mind breaking horrors that can, Beasts, yeah. yeah, I was, I was actually Average wondering horrors. about that if we were going to have that in here. So that's, that's kind of a yeah. relief that it's not in here. Yeah. What you get. And also I feel like a sanity attribute. I don't know. There's weird things about it, you know, like. It has it has some weird flavor. Yeah, some yeah, some weird flavor. A little a little ableist maybe. I don't know. Um, it it makes sense in the context of monster hunting on this scale that's in the base game, but it also like I don't know the like um the different types of insanity you can that can happen to you if you lose sanity seem kind of weird and problematic and should probably be like revisited. I don't know. Probably this whole sanity system should be revisited. Who knows? 
Um, but what I've changed that with to make it spicy and flavorful is you have a standing both in a social and academic sense. Um, so basically standing is like your reputation within the university and within the, within the town. Um, so your standing is the average of your appearance and your education. Um, so you'll put in the number, um, under where it says standing, right? You'll put your current, which is out of 99, um, which for sanity, I think you start out with a hundred, but for this, for standing, I wanted it to have like actual relation to your actual person. So it's the average of appearance and education because those are the two things that count pretty much in um this in this universe this university um so if you get down to zero in standing um you could be expelled from the university um which will may happen um and will make gameplay more difficult in a lot of ways um but i do have that eventuality like written into the campaign (laughs) Just in case. Just in case one of us is a big dum-dum and flunks out of school. Just in case one of us is a big dum-dum and gets kicked out of school. Because um, I was like, man, that is probably a possibility, isn't it? <laughs> and so you can be expelled. Um, if you lose too much standing at one time, like if you do something really big bad at once, you could be temporarily expelled, which could be, or not temporarily expelled, temporarily suspended, which could be for like, you know, a couple weeks, it could be a full semester. So there are other things besides just getting expelled. Um, And so if you do something, if you can't keep up with your schoolwork and you fail a class, for example, you could be in danger of losing academic standing or you miss a test, you could be in danger of losing academic standing. You plagiarize something, you could be in danger. Um, or if you, on the kind of social end, right, if you do something socially unacceptable or you do something uh, a little bit criminal or, um, you know, you're disruptive, you start fights, things like that can impact your social standing and also can get you, um, you know, have you lose standing and you can be on, like, disciplinary, um, you know, suspension for disciplinary reasons versus academic reasons gotcha that makes sense i like that a lot more than sanity (laughs) yeah yeah i'm a big fan of this as well um anything else yeah before um, we finish up here to the (laughs) visits to the dean can help you regain um standing points um so like if you are slacking off in class for a while and you're getting kind of low in standing, you can meet with a dean. You can meet with your academic advisor. Um, and they can, you know, help you make a plan to um, get back on track. And so you'll regain some standing points by doing that. Um, the dean would be more for disciplinary reasons and the advisor would be more for academic reasons. Just whatever whatever your character is struggling in, I kind of have um, on actually each of your little um, character notes, I have a section for like support system, which is the people that I have kind of recorded that you can go to um, if you need something or if you, you know, need support. So you each have a support system that you can draw from. 
that you can potentially like add to the list of your party's allies. Um, so everyone kind of has a network, which um, I was something just I came up with. It's not really part of the game, but I thought was cool. Yeah. So for example, you start out with some support, like um, you know, Sammy uh, Norman gets his parents, um, and you know, some people have like possible, like oh, maybe, and um, if you do art, somebody maybe an art teacher, you know. So yeah. um, okay. I have possible yeah, areas of support cool. for your character. So that is kind of a resource for you if you are losing some of those, um, you know, some of those stats that you need that um, that fluctuate. Um, so, yeah, magic points are pretty straightforward. Doing magic requires varying amount of points, um, and those can be regained, uh, I think, at the end of a day or a week. Um, you know, if we... That's one of those we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Because um, it is, if you've played any RPG, they're all pretty similar in how they deal with magic, I feel like. So the Cthulhu Mythos skill has been replaced with uh, what I just called Dawning Awareness, which is just your handle on the mystery, right? So um, whenever you encounter information or interact with a person or make deductions that bring you closer to an answer... Uh, You'll roll a die proportionate to like the size or importance of the revelation and add that number to your dawning awareness. If you're stuck and you don't know where to go, you can make a dawning awareness roll to make a logical leap or have a realization that gets you back on the trail of the mystery. Um, so the more you find out, the more you're able to succeed on those rolls and find out more information. Um, so the more you know, the more you can know. Yeah, so that starts at zero for everybody. Um, and then you learn more stuff. Um, scaled roles are actually really common. Um, so you could be using that for, um, for, for standing, especially like, oh, if you do something really stupid, then you have to roll a D20 and subtract that number from your standing. Or if it's just like, oh, no, you failed a test, then roll a D6 and subtract that from your standing. And then dawning awareness is the same, th is the same where, you discover something small, you roll a smaller die. You discover something big, you roll a bigger die. Okay. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's all very cool stuff going on. So I think that about gets us started with gameplay. Um, and hopefully that kind of enlightens the audience so we're not just going around being like, hey, go ahead and make a dawning awareness roll. And they're like, huh? Uh, uh, yeah, everyone make your best Tim Allen noise. Uh, oh, that was, oh my god we have talent here um, <laughs> my one talent is tim allen <laughs> gross anyway so are we just saying see you next week yeah unless you have any questions about the world or the university how it's kind of working that was the one other thing i thought we might want to cover but if you want to just kind of go into it blind and that's also cool with me I'm I'm content jumping into it blindly. Okay. I think jumping and in blind that way it's that way our our are, dear wonderful <laughs> listeners kind of learn along with us about the world. Yeah. Also, it is a mystery. Like this is going to be a mystery game. So yeah, this I is like true. starting from zero. Yeah, and that's true. And you're going to be a little baby freshman, so you're not going to go know anything. Um, I think it works really I'm well. I know my parents. <laughs> 
yeah that's true but i mean so you might have a better better handle on how the school works i don't know like kind of like kids who um you know listeners we all went to the same college um for at least a little while um so it's kind of like kids who grew up um yeah who grew up yeah, in like Cersei I, and then went to harding were kind of like knew all the shit yeah um, yeah exactly like i knew what was up i yeah i grew up in Cersei and i went to harding for a semester so yeah. I knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And so, yeah, that's fine with me. I think it was really cool that independently and without me asking you to, you all, all, um, picked or made characters that either live in the, in the university's backyard or lived on the other side of the country. Um, so that <laughs> yeah. makes it, that helps me a whole lot. Cause if it was like, Oh, it's fall break. I'll just go home. I live two hours away, you know? Um, and I'd be like, okay, bye. No more fall break side quest or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also helps a lot with the, with the like defamiliarization aspect of it. You know, that most of you, um, you know, are either from, um, you know, like the Pacific Northwest or are from the South or are from, you know, the Great Plains. And now you're coming into New England and everything is weird and different. As, as yeah. we all know, New England is the most spooky part of America. It is the most spooky part of America. Yeah, like that's, that's not a joke. It's haunted. Like, like, people in New England think Pepsi is superior to Coke, and that's pretty spooky. That's pretty scary. Yeah. That's really scary. Spooky. a little bit. Wild Cherry Pepsi, though, slaps. Um, I will give you that one, yeah. It's true. But anyway, yeah, I think that's really cool. And also... Yeah, that was about it. It helps yeah. me out a lot. Um, and that you're all picking uh, majors that are kind of in the same department also helped me out, especially with like which area that I need to flesh out the faculty um, more than others. And, um, you know, other story type things. Uh, Y'all made some really good um, character choices that really aligned with like the vibe that I was thinking for this campaign. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But they're, but we, we don't want to give them any spoilers. Mm-mm. No, we don't at all. So then we'll just, we'll just go see you next week. This is going to be fun. This We're really excited. Be, I am so excited Hell for this yeah. campaign. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. So yeah, we'll say, see you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah, well, We'll see you next week. And remember, Semper Ubi Sub Ubi. All right. Bye, guys. Oh, why? Oh, my. Oh, my.